Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I am good. I'm going to try to add my boy Luke, and we should be good in three, okay. two, Luke, maybe adding the call. Go there we Luke. go. Hey, Luke. How are you? There we go. Great. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm Luke. Hi, Luke. I'm Haley. Very nice to meet you. And I'm Gomer. Nice to meet you, Gomer. I'm surprised that our paths have never crossed. Well, and where are you located? I'm in Texas. I'm in the uh, Houston area. Oh, okay. Where do you go? Where do you go to Mass? Uh, San Anthony of Padua in the Woodlands. Okay. We've been there, but to presentation. The like little um, mission. It's like a Anglican ordinariate mission. Oh yeah, the ordinariate. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. When were you? Uh, when were you there? We were last there in April, I think it was, or was it May? Probably um, May. I think it started in at the end of April. Yeah, maybe it was May then. Um, our friends, maybe you know Helen and Joseph Thompson. I don't know. Joe they're in the Thompson. woodlands. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I know. Yeah, they're in the woodlands. Um, so we visit them a. Pretty pretty frequently, and then well, we'll I'll be stalking them. them on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you're on Facebook. Well, I'll be crossing their name off my list then. <laughs> Whoops, I do. Where are you at? I'm in Waco. Oh, the wonderful Waco. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, I think my mic just did something weird. Hang on, just a second. Let me see if I can get it to work again. All right. Um. Okay. Does that sound okay? Yo, yeah, you sound yeah. the same. You sound okay. good, but you, you sound, sound fine. Yeah. All right. Maybe it's just lying to me that it stopped working. Sometimes what is your, is weird. it happens. Yeah. Skype is the worst. What is your setup? What do you? What microphone are you using? It's a blue snowball little gotcha. mic. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Those are all the rage a while ago with podcasting, right? I, I, yeah. I'm not saying that they're bad now. Maybe I. I guess we started. Christy and I started podcasting. Maybe like five years ago, long time ago. So who knows what the cool kids are using these days? I don't know. We know. <laughs> we know because I obsess over all of these things. Yeah. I, I don't even pay attention in the slightest. So, <laughs> And that's the first go. question I ask. Ooh, ooh what microphone? <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, my God. Wait a Way to come! Way, way to put your best foot forward, Gormley. Good job. Yeah, but this is the thing. That is my best foot. I have no other foot. This is all I have. This is all I have. All that I have. All that I offer comes from a heart both frightened and free. Take yeah. what I give now. I don't know the rest. There you so, go. So, Haley, how are you? <laughs> this this is officially the show. Yeah. You, you might be number two hundred. Episode number two hundred. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a pretty so, big deal. Good job. Yeah, so thank you. Yeah. You did it. You Go did me. it. <laughs> so how long have you been podcasting? So you have Fountains of Carrots. Yeah. So Christy and I, I think it's like five and a half years now. Oh, nice. Um, so like dinosaur age podcast at this point. Yeah. It's, it's weird how like, so we've been podcasting for, and I promise this is not me trying to cut cut you off i just realized what i did i'm i'm sorry um <laughs> i'm the worst uh we uh so like we started around not qu- has it been five years no about four and a half years and yeah. in podcasting 
like age. That is a really long time. Like, mm-hmm. like the podcasting uh, landscape has changed dramatically since then. Yes. Yes, it has. There's a million podcasts now. What, what got you into podcasting? Um, well, Christy and I both blogged and what did we listen to? Like we listened to a few podcasts and we liked them and we thought we like to talk. We like to talk to people about things. We, we should have a podcast. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That was basically um, it for us too. It's yeah. like people think we're interesting. Maybe more <laughs> will. <laughs> Very we well enjoy thought blabbing. out. <laughs> right. Um, so we've had fun with it. Um, we've been doing, I guess, two episodes a month for a long time. So that is an old school style. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? It was like, yeah, when like that, that used to be like kind of the norm was like twice or once a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It gives you great freedom. Gives you great yeah. freedom. This is exhausting. <laughs> this is exhausting. So you, much. Me, me and Luke recorded on Saturday for last week's show. We recorded this week because we missed our deadline because of Alaska and everything. And then now we're like, oh, gosh, that was tonight. We scheduled that tonight. And then I had a panic, and now I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's, this so is why I'll, you should never have priests stay over at your house. They just absorb all your yeah. time. Thanks, Father David Hust. So demanding. Hi, Father. Um, so, like, what um, – I have to confess, I don't I don't think I've heard your podcast. I don't listen to a lot of, like, Catholic podcasts because I'm not a good person. Um, like, He's what not. is yours about? Um, well, Christy and I – we're both Catholic moms, but we didn't want to do a Catholic mom podcast. Can't imagine why. Okay. We, we <laughs> already deal with a lot of Catholic mom stuff. We don't really want to talk about Catholic mom stuff. So fair, occasionally fair. it comes up, but mostly we like to talk about books and culture and we have interesting folks on the podcast. So it is Catholic. Um, usually we have a Catholic guest. And um, it's a little bit literary. We like to talk about Jane Austen and Jane Eyre and all that kind of Flannery O'Connor, that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah. So it's we try to bring in a male guest every once in a while, just mix it up. It's the same thing with us. You're our token female. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We hit our quarter for this quarter. (laughs) (laughs) have you ever heard of the podcast sacred and profane love i have heard of this who does that one i think it is dr jennifer i think her last name is foy i might be wrong in that but she does just literary stuff so it's like weaving philosophy theology and literature and i heard her on an episode of matt frad's pints with aquinas and yeah i know they're the worst he's the worst uh but they, it was so interesting, the stuff that she was talking about. And her favorite book and my favorite book were what got us into this whole Catholic mess. The oh, Sources really? of Christian Ethics by Father Survey Pinkares. It's a textbook uh-huh. in moral theology. And I, it, it, is, it is so well written. I just loved it. I fell in love with it. But, yeah, like I've discovered the wacky world of uh, Walker Percy and Evelyn Waugh and... Uh, and Jane Eyre, Jane Austen novels and like the whole deal. It is fascinating. So oh, interesting. Yeah, that yeah. sounds 
so then I hopped onto your podcast and started. Uh, <laughs> so a buddy of mine, John Drizaldi, we were there for um, going up to Life Teens Cove Crest Summer Camp in Atlanta. And I saw my friend was reading, his wife had um, your book on her nightstand. I was like, I have had that on my nightstand for so long <laughs> since, since Ave Maria Press sent that to me. And I've been wanting to read it. And the, the best part about this is, so this is the reason why I wanted to have you on, is, are you ready for this, Luke? I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Luke needs to prepare himself. You're totally fine. <laughs> so I'm doing this thing called fire. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and the part of the cornerstones is frugal living, right? And when I saw, the, I mean, the, the tagline for your book is pursuing less and living more in a throwaway culture. And then so I started, uh, I just <laughs> took my friend's book and I was like, ah, oh, no, this is exactly what I'm trying to get across. So the big thing for y'all is your your story intersects so wonderfully with this because you and your husband, you were telling the story like, the mortgage, the bills, the utilities, all that stuff was just like stacking up and your husband was working a job that he didn't like and you had to get out. Yeah. And you realized that it wasn't just about being frugal, like, hey, we're going to cut cable because you had done all that and it wasn't working. And I, mm-hmm. it, to me, when I read that, I saw myself like kind of right now, but more so me when I was a middle school youth minister and I'm like, oh no, now I wasn't writing prison software, but uh, I was managing <laughs> prisoners as middle school. So, and, th- and then you thought, which is a very logical thing, let's go live in a commune. So how, how did that <laughs> wow. process, yeah, yeah. So how did that process work for y'all? Yeah. So it was a season of discernment. People like to talk <laughs> about discernment. Yeah. Um, People who don't so, like making decisions talk about discernment. <laughs> right. So, yeah, my husband was um, working for a company that made prison software, which was about as fun as it sounds to him and was not a good fit. And as you said, we were just kind of stuck and we were already living pretty frugally, but still felt really stuck financially. We're like, man, we've got to reboot things. And how are we going to do that? And so what we decided, well, we kind of talked about what do we want our lives to look like? Like what would, what changes would we make? And the things that my husband came up with were, um, he wanted to eat three meals as a family. He wanted Mm -hmm. to get to be around, um, more engaged with family life because he was having to work really long hours, um, at the time and wanted to be able to doing wanted to do work that he felt was good and valuable in and of itself, not just because it was bringing in a paycheck to support the family. And so those were the things we were shooting for. And we had just visited Texas from Florida and remembered about this farm that's out here that we had volunteered at a good bit in college and they have an internship program. So It's a little bit different now, but at the time it was a training farm and would have internships in sustainable agriculture, faith-based, but not Catholic specific. And so we thought, hey, this would be a good way to get all of those, hit all of those things, get to eat three meals as a family, all living on the farm, doing this internship together, um, get to be together as a family 
he'd get to be, my husband would get to be more involved and getting to do work that we're excited about and felt good at, good about in and of itself, not just because it was sustaining, sustaining us financially. Um, and actually we were, we had room and board at the farm, but other than that, we were on our own. Um, there was a little stipend to help with health insurance. And so it was a big leap, but it sounded crazy and yet made tons of sense. I want to talk to you about millennials and baby boomers. Oh, great. The I eternal need to find battle. A way, the eternal battle. I need to find a way to make fun of both of them now. Oh, what do I do? Well, here's what you do. One, you throw a young adult party at your house. Two, you tell everyone that you're going to play the that Catholic card game because all of your friends are going to be um, Catholic because you don't branch out. Three. They're all going to be like, but Gomer, we've played every version of that game. And you're going to say, shut up, nerds. There's a new extension pack. <laughs> I believe it's called the Generations Expansion. <laughs> but, Damn it. Why do I keep doing that? <laughs> so this is a beautiful thing. The Catholic Card Game has released yet another expansion. This is the seventh Woo! expansion on Kickstarter. You just go to kickstarter.com and type in Catholic Card Game, and it'll come right up. And what they have are a bunch of cards inspired by baby boomers and millennials and their silliness as Catholics. And, yes, baby boomers, it's, your cards are pre- printed in a larger font, so there's no need for those cheater glasses. And don't worry, Judy. You're going to have a chance to get angry, okay? So it'll be fine. Oh, gosh, that woman was so angry. So angry. These are fun card games. It's patterned after apple to apples and cards against humanity. But Catholic, like really Catholic, like really, really hip young adult Catholic. 54 brand new cards, $10, including shipping. Head over to Kickstarter. Fund it now. It needs to be funded in order to get printed, and the Kickstarter campaign only runs for the month of July. They just kicked it off, and we want to see it get funded. $5,000 gets these things printed. I own a deck of cards. They sent us a preview pack, and they are They're funny. really fun. They're really they are good. really fun. Really good. Thank you to Catholic Card Game for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Did you have savings or anything going into this, or was it like it was like a true leap like <laughs> into the void? We didn't have savings, and then so I guess about a year before the move, we did not have savings. At that point, we started to be able to save. It was kind of interesting because we felt very stuck, felt like we couldn't make any sort of move, and then my husband prayed for contentment. And we tried to nurture contentment in our lives. And then suddenly we were able to, doors opened. We were able to save a little bit of money. We put our house in the market and our house sold, um, got rid of most of our stuff because we were moving into a teeny tiny 650 square foot apartment. And so everything just fell into place at, at the proper time. And so we did save enough to cover expenses that we would have for our family for the year of our internship, but having, you know, having room and board covered helps a lot. So I would kind of imagine, so with like doing a big thing like that, was it um, one of those things where like in the beginning it was like awesome. And then you're like two to three months in and then it gets hard or um, was it like hard in the beginning? Or was it a mix I of felt both, like or? it was really hard just getting there. Like this, okay. cause we had three little kids I guess oh, wow. we had a five-year-old, a young two-year-old, wait, a young three-year-old and a young two-year-old. So all little kids trying to sell a house 
that part was really stressful. I think just the waiting to see is everything actually going to fall into place. Um, and we have three little kids that we're responsible for. We need to be able to feed them. Um, and so once we got there, I think that was a big relief and it was a really great experience. I mean, with all of the normal frustrations of daily life, um, you know, it was messy and muddy and we had a tiny little apartment. We were all on top of each other and three kids in one bedroom trying to put them all to sleep was a nightmare, you know, but also it was fine. You know, it's, it's those things that you learn that you can live without three bedrooms. You can live with two bedrooms. You learn you mm-hmm. can live without a flushing toilet. You can use a compost toilet. And it's just these crazy oh things you think like, well, I can never do that. Let's talk about a compost toilet. Let's back it up to the compost toilet. Everybody wants to talk about the compost toilet. Oh, we're so basic. <laughs> no, you're just the everyman. Everybody. <laughs> we are. We even have a it. podcast. <laughs> we, we are your typical 30s white males that's it we're not we're even important. yeah we're a step away from like almost being like we're stand-ups now sorry <laughs> go on we all had an improv phase sorry anyways so composting toilets there are multiple kinds of composting toilets um to me. and in our <laughs> apartment that well a lot of them like if you have a i don't know if you have I guess a lot of traffic with a toilet, a lot of composting toilets are built. So there's like a shaft that goes down underneath a space. Um, so it looks kind of like a toilet, but it's just a drop down. <laughs> our, there were some of those at the farm cause it was a no flush farm, but in our apartment, it could be described as a bucket it was kind of a big five-gallon bucket with a toilet lid on top. And so you do your business, and then you have sawdust that you put on top so things don't get smelly. Also, nightmare when you're trying to potty train a two-year-old who will get oh, yeah. sawdust everywhere. Um, <laughs> and then it kind of fills up, and you take it out and dump it out at the proper place to dump human waste. And, um, clean and where it is and that proper place <laughs> to dump <laughs> human waste? Far hmm. enough away from the apartment to not be smelly and not have our children climbing in it. Mm. So, um, those so are right next to your neighbors. neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I guess we didn't really have any neighbors on that side. Uh, um, oh, so we were in an apartment go. close to the like, um, kind of community space with the big kitchen and, dining area and the offices and education center kind of thing. And then on the other side of the road was the dormitory where the singles lived. Um, and a couple families lived upstairs there. So we're the only ones living in this part of the farm, this particular building. So I, I was going thing. to ask you, and like, I, um, like I promise it's not going to all be about this, but <laughs> well, it is like, so you didn't have any of those experiences where you're like, you know, taking your compost waste out there and then you see like another person doing that and make awkward eye contact. Like, yep, (laughs) this is it. (laughs) Just go, you know, and like, and it's like, (laughs) let us never speak of this again. Like not like a walk of shame, but not like too far removed. Cause it's just like, let's not talk about this. You know? Well, to be 100% honest, we kind of, my husband and I had an unspoken deal 
that was, I would move to this place where there were no flushing toilets and he would always be the one to empty out <laughs> the family bucket of human waste. That's amazing. <laughs> so I did not listen, ever honey. Take I'll it fill out. it up. You take it out. <laughs> oh, God bless you guys. That's amazing. That is amazing. I could. You know what? Yeah. That's a solid wow. marriage right there. That is a yeah. solid marriage. I want to shake this man's hand <laughs> after Purell. He's got a Purell himself. Maybe bathe in it. <laughs> that is so awesome. So now you transferred off that farm and now you're in your own homestead, right? Well, yeah, we're actually in the city, but we have a giant backyard. So we bought a little house um, that had a double lot, probably. Well, it's Waco, so it probably cost you $5. And, you know, Chip and Joanna came over there and they were yeah, like, <laughs> Joanna, or like, you need a sliding barn door. This is going to go out of style in five years. Shiplap, shiplap, shiplap. Sorry, guys. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> we did buy it the right time. It's one of those things where, like, I'm paying our mortgage, and I'm like, yes, happy to send you this check oh. <laughs> because oh. it's, it's ridiculous. Waco oh. um, real estate is crazy. But you it get is, one um, little cult that causes a national emergency. <laughs> Property values plummet for the next 35 years. Well, actually – Everything went downhill before I'm going to get into Waco history. Sorry. I go. love talking about Waco. Well, let's do it. Okay. So there was a terrible tornado, one of the very worst in U.S. history in 1952, 1953, That's one of them. And it right. tore through downtown, like more than 200 people died and it, the city just didn't recover. And so it's yeah. kind of, it is now, just now recovering but all it was bigger than dallas at the time wow wow um and all of this all of the businesses went to dallas or went to austin or houston and it just could not recover downtown um until very recently looked basically the same as it did in the 50s even with like you'd see old painted advertisements from the 50s so that's why um a lot of movies were shot here like Tree of Life, a lot of Tree of Life um, oh, by yeah. was shot in Waco because it still looks like the 1950s. Sure. Okay. That's so crazy. that is why there were tons of houses with no one to live in them and, and super cheap old Victorian cool houses that yeah. had been empty and needed to be fixed up by helpful Chip and Joanna, you know? <laughs> they are so, so helpful. <laughs> I want to believe that but they're now like things that. Are getting I'm sure that they're very nice. I should. <laughs> oh, oh, there's more there. There's more there. All kinds of things, but I'm sure that they're genuinely nice. It would be and hard I'll... to be jo- <laughs> Joanna. It would be hard to be her because everyone praises her for how beautiful she is, and she's on the cover now of her own magazine, her own store, her own everything. Yeah. And I'm sure that was just handed to her. She didn't try no. to do that. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is the the experience of that amount of praise, fame, all of that stuff has to go to your head unless you have like I feel like you just have to walk into a room. And people are like, well, you're not that pretty. Like you have to go somewhere where you can be so consistent. Like you 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 walk into your home and you're not JoJo from Fixer Upper. You're just like I don't know. You're you're that person that you can just be yourself and get away from it. Because you can't help. Fame goes to people's heads so quickly. I mean, we have a podcast 
And it has totally gone to my head. I, I go to restaurants and I'm like, don't you know who I am? I walk into bars with way more of an ego than I ever should. <laughs> yeah. Barkeep, give me a double of whatever everyone's having. Um, can I tell you my moment of fame this week that was actually really nice? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, of course. My absolutely. husband and I went on a date with the baby. It's a, it's a date if the baby is too young to talk to you is yes. what I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fair. They can't interrupt you. It's a date. So we went on a date to get coffee at um, our favorite little coffee place. And someone came over and was like, hey – and introduce themselves, and they're like, hey, I follow you, and you're always Instagram storing about how you can never get a booth, because they're always taken, and so I want you to have my booth. And I was like, <laughs> that is so nice. And Dana was like, fame really like pays off. Mm-hmm. We got a booth at Pinewood Roasters. <laughs> this is the best date. So anyhow, that that's like really all I have to offer about being famous is one time somebody gave me their booth at the coffee place. My wife's story is like, she'll be out at like finally Shannon's alone time away from me, away from the kids. And then someone will walk up to her and be like, are you Gomer's wife? She'll be like, no, stop. <laughs> no, no. And then she'll tell me that story, but she'll do it with a big old grin on her face. So <laughs> she knows it's paying the bills. These looks are writing checks. <laughs> That she cashes frequently. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. Hey, you want to hear something very funny? And nope. I think this is one of those. <laughs> Luke does not. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk about my thing that I'm obsessed with besides fire is community. And I did this series for Ascension Press called Radical Community. And the whole point of it was uh, a truly like the whole point was to get people discussing, not get people to watch my video and then talk about my video, but to let the video set up the discussion, right? And I have a whole bit on how we don't have neighbors and community and hospitality anymore. And in that bit, I quoted comedian Sebastian (laughs) Maniscalco. (laughs) And I'm going through your book, and I'm like, she's literally quoting the exact part (laughs) that I use word for word on here like oh my gosh i have some cake here's some uh here's some sarah lee my mom used to always have entenmann's coffee cakes and i used to go to my neighbors all the time for eggs and sugar mm-hmm. and flour and i have never my kids have never known what that is they never we just had a delivery of flour from amazon come today the bag was ripped open with a knife and dumped all over our, our uh, house so thanks <laughs> amazon but and you quote the exact same thing how does that happen? Yeah, yeah, that, that is wild. I promise I didn't steal the idea from watching your video, I mean, which no, I, I haven't mean, seen, but we'll promptly look up. Yeah, just, you're not missing much. <laughs> it's no, interesting, though. We live in a um, like lower economic neighborhood, um, and there is a lot more neighborliness, I feel like, than we have experienced in the past. So like that's good. kids, one time, like a kid knocked on our front door, a kid we hadn't even met yet and was like, Hey, I missed the bus. Can you drive me to school? No, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. was like, yeah, dude, like I'll take you to school because <laughs> it's not that far, but it's just funny. <laughs> or like, um, wow. You never hear of that today. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, there is no safe environment here. Let's go. 
(laughs) (laughs) And our next door neighbor, I I get super sick during my pregnancies. I'm like in bed for for a few months because I am just puking my guts out and it's terrible. Um, So I hadn't been seen outside for a while. And so... (laughs) The neighbor like knocks on the door because I think he saw me. Um, he could see that I was in the living room, and so he like came over and knocked at the door, and I was like, "Hey, Antonio," and he was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm just really sick and pregnant." And he asked a few questions that made me realize that he was kind of concerned that Daniel was holding me hostage in our house. <laughs> and she just wanted to make sure there was like not a domestic problem. And he was, he's like, I just haven't seen you at all in weeks, like coming or wow. going. And I explained that I was really sick. And then he brought over, um, Menudo. Do you know what Menudo uh, is? A boy it's band? Like, no. no, it's like, um, <laughs> is that even the right word? I think that's right. It's like a soup made out of cow stomach mm. and it is mm. like a an an like a hangover cure so i i told him really? that i was like really I, nauseous I, and really sick and throwing up yeah. and so he really wanted it was super sweet wanted to be helpful brought me this soup but like i'm looking at like this cow stomach soup Obvi- like i haven't been able to eat in weeks you know i'm like obviously not gonna <laughs> be able to eat cow stomach soup but it was super nice so I feel like we there is a lot of neighborliness wow. around. That is utterly hmm. unique. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's different than anywhere I've ever lived. Like oh, Luke, is that uh, I'm sorry. I was right. just going to say Luke, didn't you have like a, a a neighbor that like passed out from like a drug OD or something and you just oh. stepped over her lifeless body? Yep, and I that? was like, "No, thank you." A millennial no. Uh we don't really know <laughs> Uh, like we don't know. I mean, for sure, if that's what happened, but we're like pretty sure it was actually kind of like kind of nuts. So we like, uh, yeah, yes, that did happen. <laughs> and we did try to call the cops and we did. And she said that she just was very tired and it was weird. Well, good luck, lady. I'm not yeah. going to bring you any menudo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I was like, please don't be on heroin. Oh, please don't be dying. Oh, be okay. I'm kind of in a place where heroin's bad. So, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Where are you? So, oh, so I'm, well, I actually just moved about a, a month ago. I was out in um, Cincinnati, Ohio. And then now I'm, and now I'm up in Dayton, oh, Ohio, okay, gotcha. which is where I'm from. So it's kind of weird. Um, speaking of towns that have died and have not come back yet, that's mm-hmm. kind of where I am. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird. I was actually in my old neighborhood, like where, like, so where we were. So when I was, when, when I was born, my parents um, lived in um, West Dayton. And I went to our parish there, and there were only like twenty people there for mass. It was really sad. Oh, like wow. it was kind of heartbreaking. Is that the and place then, where you guys took me when I went to mass? Yes. Yep. Yeah. It has oh, an old Spanish wow. style church. Just yeah. a so and, and it's this really old um neighborhood back in the back in the um uh, you know early part of the twentieth uh twenty like turn of the century. It was it was incredibly nice. Started going downhill in the in like the eighties. And then when I went back there, it's like abandoned. It's like the whole thing is just empty now. Like our old house where where my parents were at when I was when like I was first born is just now overgrown with like vines and trees. You can barely see it. It's crazy. And uh, it just um, it's just it's kind of interesting because I think it kind of points towards like like not only like just the fact like how much our um, a society. I don't, I don't know if crumbling is the right word, but just going through this extreme 
change where you just have complete on the neighborhoods and like, you know, what were big cities are just completely abandoned now. Mm-hmm. Have, have y'all heard of um, Chris Arnaud? Have you heard of him? Mm, um, he funny. just he just wrote a book that um, came out or is about to come out um, called Dignity. So basically he was like on Wall Street and then left his job on Wall Street to just travel around um, kind of talking to just talking to people in McDonald's. So he just goes to like McDonald's in crumbling areas and because McDonald's is the place where people hang out. It's like this is where the community is now in these crumbling places. And so he just would sit and talk to people. And I'm reading the book now and it's fascinating because it's talking about community and how um, that sense of place like this is my home. I don't want to move and leave my family and everything I know. Mm-hmm. Um, that community, when you're when you have nothing else, those family and community, that network is all that you have. You don't want to leave that. Yeah. And yet, there's this sense of like, if you're more upper class, like, oh, well, I'm just going to move for a job, or I'm going to go do this. I'm gonna, I'm very mobile, and I don't put, um, I don't make it a priority to stay in this place that was my home and stay with the people I've always known. Um, so it's very, very interesting. That's kind of a theme throughout the book of, you know, what is happening in these communities and how do they feel about community and how these different priorities for the different classes are affecting poverty and, and how, um, these communities are, are faring. So it's fascinating. So I highly recommend the book and following his, his stuff. It's really interesting. Well, I I think that's really interesting too, because like the fact that they all commune around a McDonald's, because I would imagine those places are what uh, you would call, they're probably kind of a food desert in the sense that Mm -hmm. it's hard to get to a place that has all of you, like you don't have a Walmart there because they don't have, there's not enough people for them to to, to, justify having a store there. So getting the food and the things that like you need actually becomes much harder than it is everywhere else. And so the fact that you like at a McDonald's, because it's like, this is the only place I can go to get orange juice. You know, because like everywhere else is like, you know, a 20, 30 minute car right away and I may not have a car. Right. And so, yeah, he would he would kind of stay in one location for several days in a row. And a lot of times he talks about, yeah, I talked to these two guys. They were always there meeting a couple of friends every morning. You know, this is what they did every day. They'd meet at McDonald's and having um, there's a place where you could charge your phone. So if you're homeless, like you can still charge your phone or go to the bathroom and kind of sponge off or different things that this McDonald's becomes the, the community center in, in a way that, you know, there used to be real community and now this is all that's left. It's funny because I noticed that when I travel, uh, cause I go on car trips cause when you got four kids, planes are no thank you. So, um, I always stop off at these McDonald's and you just see, all of these people, yeah, exactly that. People congregating, you know, uh, I mean, uh, that is fast. I never would have put that in my mind that that's what this is. This place has kind of become like the mm-hmm. new, like almost like a broken town square. Oh, Luke, you know what I need? I need some sick clip art for my freaking bulletin. Why do you need some sick clip art for your freaking bulletin? 
Because I think the kids love clip art. Am I right or am I wrong? If the millennials love anything, it's things from 1996. <laughs> Except for when it comes to photos. And you know what? Your church photos probably suck. And if you're like everyone else and you're like, I don't want to go to Getty Images and get this image of like a sexy nun, that's just weird. Oh, what about this one over here of a cheesy priest? No, thank you. Uh, let's just pretend that you want to have priests who are below the age of 32. Let's also pretend you want priests who are actual real priests and not some guy <laughs> in a cheap Halloween costume. Catholicstock.com. That's what you need, fine folks. You can go over and create a free account at, Catholicstock, at catholicstock.com. See tons of great images. They also have great videos as well. Really like the video. Uh, they want um, Catholics to have access to really great images, great art. And uh, you can go and create an account there for for free at catholicstock.com. And how it works there is basically buy the, you buy tokens, and those um, tokens allow you to get different images and be able um, to use them for whatever you want. If you use our offer code FOXES, <laughs> you get 20% off your whole order, not just the first token. You get 20% off your first order if you use the coupon code FOXES. <laughs> catholicstock.com create your account there for free and get some cool images for your church bulletin your youth group event that no one's gonna attend because you're not good at your job or other things at catholicstock.com again that uh code word is um, foxes to save 20 percent. thank you to catholic stock for sponsoring this episode of catching fox why are you so angry (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm not angry have you ever heard of the phrase homo solus Mm-mm. Uh so it's the it means uh the lonely man and it's the idea of um when Alexi de Tocqueville wrote his book Democracy in America he was talking about um that he's it's almost like a philosophy of loneliness and that his concern that he was writing this book was kind of his concern that loneliness would come to mark the man or woman of the future and he said like so the famous line this is a line has been quoted a bit bajillion times he says uh aristocracy links everybody from peasant to king in one long chain democracy breaks the chain and frees each link each man is thereby throw back thrown back on himself alone and there is danger that he may be shut up in the solitude of his own heart mm-hmm. and it's amazing how like because we no longer relate to each other as a member of a family no matter what that family is you only relate to each other as individuals and it's super freeing in a lot of ways like you know if you belong to a traditional chinese family your elders whether they're your dad or your aunts or uncles or grandparents or whoever they dictate what your job is going to be and you don't have any that but you know who you are and you're not mm-hmm. and, and and generally speaking people raised in those traditional cultures are generally much more warm to strangers and like all these like really fascinating little tidbits but then when you come to America, they have this experience of, like, profound freedom, but it's the freedom of, like, now I can actualize my own potential. Maybe I didn't want to be a farmer or didn't want to, you know, own this shop or the family, whatever. But at the same time, it completely broke me from everyone else. And so Alexi de Tocqueville's writing part of Democracy in America to explain, like, we are leaving aristocracy behind where we had a place. And now we're going to be so radically free, we're going to be alone. Does anyone acknowledge this, right? I, mean, mm. I, don't think, I don't think we are. I think it's like haunting us now. I think if we're catching up to that, that vision in a huge way. There's um, what you're saying about freedom, I think, is really hitting the nail on the head because it's we have this freedom, but it's not 
the same thing as Christian freedom. Like the, the idea of St. Augustine would say, you the freedom to choose the good. We have the freedom to make um, a choice of many choices. Yeah. And um, I really like Wendell Berry, the, you know, he, he's a writer and a farmer. And there's this one quote where he talks about freedom, and I really like it. It's a pretty short quote, so I'll just read it to you. Our present idea of freedom is only the freedom to do as we please, to sell ourselves for a high salary, a home in the suburbs, and idle weekends. But that is a freedom dependent upon affluence, which is in turn dependent upon the rapid consumption of exhaustible supplies. As the other kind of freedom is the freedom to take care of ourselves and of each other. The freedom of affluence opposes and contradicts the freedom of community life. Um, and I think that's interesting, especially in light of what we were talking about with Chris Arnaud's project in these crumbling communities, that um, you know, the kind of freedom that really counts is the ability to take care of yourself and your family. And yet we've kind of lost that freedom for this other freedom that is not, um, satisfying and sometimes not even, not even possible. I think especially where you guys are in your thirties, I'm in my thirties and like I graduated the year of, I graduated from college the year that the recession really hit hard. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you were kind of set up for a certain kind of life and then, oh no, the economy has totally changed. And so this kind of these ideas of what is supposed to happen, those things aren't really reality anymore. And so not only is this something that's not satisfying, ultimately, it isn't even really possible for us the way it was for a generation before. Yeah. We saw what the result was when people, quote unquote, had that ability to be so like, so like affluent, you know, like I kind of forgot how angsty Gen X was till I saw a Smashing Pumpkins concert. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's right. They were miserable. Like, <laughs> like they really, Billy, uh, Billy um, Corgan did not like his childhood at all. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and you, you think like, like they're kind of the last group that kind of like one of the last ones that kind of like had everything. And there's just this like existential dread that's attached mm-hmm. with them. And I just think that's really interesting kind of in like on light of what we've gone through being like, so this isn't possible now. So now what? So mm-hmm. that's a really good quote. Yeah. Cool. I, love, I love him. Wendell Berry. Mm-hmm. You're a second guest that loves him. We had uh Jesse straight from Whiffle tree farms. You ever heard of mm. Whiffle tree farms? I don't think so. I yeah, have to look awesome. that up. Yeah, you should look it up. He converted to Catholicism on Easter Vigil. And then I guess on Easter Sunday or Easter Monday, started his life as a farmer. That's awesome. Yeah, and he's out in Virginia, and he copied everything Joel Salatin was doing in order to, in order to you know, do the whole sustainable farming, you know, completely remove himself from the horrible practices of, of modern, you know, whatever, corporate, not corporate, but industrial farming. And yeah. Okay. You know, I think I have emailed with him. Okay. Now this is all ringing a bell. It, it's just so funny. People, they read Wendell Berry and they're like, okay, I need my three acres <laughs> and a cow. Uh, I need to learn how to garden. And I'm like, I can't even keep my grass alive in my front yard. And we have well, a that's tomato the problem. Plant. Just get rid of the grass. grass. I, mean, <laughs> I wish I could, but what do I replace it with? Dirt? I could do dirt. I can do Food. dirt. Food. Food. You could, you should, yeah, grow some food. So do you have that in your front yard or in your backyard? 
We have both. So we have um, a couple of beds, like three or four beds in the front yard, and then like big garden in the backyard. And the the goats and the chickens are in the backyard. Oh, of course, the goats and the chickens. (laughs) How long does it take to do all that for you? Um, Daniel does most of it. Good man. To be honest. Carrying out the poop. Um, (laughs) That's right. Working in the garden. It's he likes to do that with the kids. So like the kids are really involved in um, growing the seedlings and then planting and all of that. Um, So it's very labor heavy for a time, you know, like right when he's putting in the spring garden Um, and then it's less work for a while um, until it's time to take things out and put in the next one. Um, I don't know about how many hours, but it is pretty labor intensive for a few weeks. I would, I just dream of this stuff and then I'm like, I don't want to get dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is anyone else like that? Like, were you like that before you decided to live on a commune faith-based? Um, I didn't really mind getting dirty. I just feel like I'm always like, can I go read a book now? Like, yeah, no, I that's like more me. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so I do enjoy doing those things, but if I had to choose, I'd rather read a book. Yeah, I'm a yeah. I would rather I'll read a book or just like watch a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but what about the Cohen brothers? Um, <laughs> Who's going to watch them while I'm out gardening? Yeah. Someone <laughs> has to analyze this film. Not enough people saw uh, the one thing about, the, about, oh gosh, what was it called? Hail Caesar. So good. Um, so we're currently over time. Are you like, okay? Are you okay to like keep going for a bit? Or if yeah, you have I could to go stop, for, you're fine. I could go for a few more minutes and you then sure? I'm okay. going to start to um, get tired. No, that's fair. No, I, I just, I just want to. Uh, I'm always one who's very anal about like the, the time because I feel so bad that because we just blab and blab and blab. Then I'm like, oh no, and then I'm like, what about gardening? <laughs> you poop in a bucket. <laughs> Christy and I do the same thing. Like at the beginning, before we start recording, we're always like, do you have to be anywhere? Like, <laughs> when do you need to leave this yeah. conversation because we can just go forever? Well, yeah, and- you had Abigail Favale on. And we yeah, have her on. She's awesome. How did you find her? How did you discover the gem that is her? I read some of her pieces that she wrote for Notre Dame Church Life oh, Journal okay. and was really blown away and was like, we've got to have her on the show. Right. That was still the the interview I feel the worst about because I was very sick and uh, was just not there. And I was like, this sounds amazing, but I'm not, I can't think. So what's <laughs> French feminism? I'm sorry. I, I'm seeing space right now. In my mind. Like, me and me and uh, a buddy of mine at work, Brian, we literally talked about French feminism and theology of the body for the next like three weeks. We were like, this is so fascinating. So of course he's getting his PhD in political philosophy. So this is very much in his wheelhouse. And because he's a current student, I get to get all of his journal. Like I, I just I'm like, Hey, find people who write journal card articles on this topic or give me everything. The author publishes on this. And so I was actually reading, um, Joshua Mitchell's man, the lonely animal from humanitas, hum- humanitas journal. And that's where the homo solus thing came from. But um, we just talk about this stuff all the time to the point where my assistant was talking to a friend of hers on Twitter. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you work right next to Gomer. That must be amazing. She goes, no, it's not amazing. Because at 8 o'clock in the morning, they're talking about French feminism. And I don't care. (laughs) Just shut up. But Abigail is, 
I found her through First Things mm-hmm. and her pieces on purity culture. Uh, because I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Protestant purity culture, but it's yeah, the true I grew love up weights. Protestant. I know oh. all about it. So do you have your true love weights card and purity ring and all that? I don't have anything official, but I did read I Kiss Dating Goodbye by Josh <laughs> Harris in a girl's Bible study in middle school. So, <laughs> But I was like, scarred by this book, so, <laughs> you know. And, you know, he's repudiated all that stuff, right? Like yeah, he, so uh, interesting. Damage has been done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no when, going back. It's interesting how, like, you can have something that's partially true, but because it doesn't have the fullness of Catholic teaching, theology of the body, and all of this, it just gets twisted just enough to be really dangerous. Yeah. 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 Uh, and for her, she lost her virginity before she started in her Puritan, not Puritan, but her Protestant uh, upbringing and so she would talk about this one line where it was you know they would they would say imagine you have this beautiful white dress for your wedding day and then every man you slept with puts a red thumbprint or puts a red handprint on your dress what would your dress look like it's not that beautiful anymore and she was like well i guess i'm wearing a red wedding dress who cares you know and Gosh, all that yeah. stuff and just the damn it like i understand mm-hmm. what they're going for right they're trying to like, don't make the same mistakes we did. You know, it really does take something from you when you give yourself away like this. But what they really ended up doing, and this is her argument, is they made purity seem like you're already, you are born on the top of the mountain. All you can do is lose it. So fight, 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 run and hide. And, oh, you failed? Well, now you're at the bottom of the mountain. Sorry, kid. Good luck next mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. I I know. I, I feel like I wasn't maybe as scarred as I should have been, but... Like, I do <laughs> know a lot of minister. people <laughs> who had a lot of trauma that like when they were entering marriage, they had a lot of trauma because of the way purity culture talked about sex, talked about sex, that it was like mm-hmm. very traumatic to lose their virginity, um, which is, you know, such a warping of oh, wow. everything. But yeah, a lot of, yeah. a lot of really oh. bad stuff. Oh, everything's wonderful. <laughs> um, so, how, what's your what's your uh, remedy for people who are experiencing loneliness today? Young adults, millennials, if you will, who want to be good Catholic Catholics. You know, they're trying to do the right thing, but they look around, nothing but a. They're lonely, or they're alone. Mm-hmm. What What would you? Because your book talks a lot about that, and you give very practical stuff, but. I don't know. What would you say to someone who's living in an apartment somewhere outside a city, drives, you know, 40 minutes to work and they feel alone in their Catholic faith? Yeah. Well, I think that when you're feeling alone, it's easy to forget that you are not the only one feeling that way and that you want someone to reach out to you, but sometimes you have to be the one to reach out, that there are other people just as lonely as you are. Um, and so one thing I would say is just have people over to dinner. Um, that can be scary if it's not something you grew up doing. That was something that my family did a lot when I was growing up is just had people we didn't know very well who seemed lonely over to dinner. Um, but if you didn't grow up that way, it can be kind of intimidating, but just don't be intimidated by it. Have somebody over to dinner. 
meet up with someone, reach out. And another thing is that I think a lot of times Catholic community is kind of broken up by, oh, the young families are all supposed to hang out together. And then the, mm-hmm. the singles are all supposed to hang out together. And I think that's really bad. I think that it's really important for um, married couples to have single friends and vice versa because um, there is so much to be gained in both directions. You know, to open up your home to someone who's single and bring them in to be part of your family, that is a blessing to them. But also having single friends who can step in and help you when you're drowning with young children is incredibly helpful because other young families are also drowning in small children. And so having single friends who can, you know, pick up groceries or run over and help you out when you have some kind of childcare nightmare situation is really, really important to have that, to have that back and forth. Hey, you become part of our family. Um, and then the natural, inclination to say, oh, and now that I'm part of your family, I also want to help you out when you are completely drowning. And so I think that's something we forget, but is incredibly, incredibly important to not just try to be friends with people in exactly your season of life. Um, because that's this, it's kind of this weird age or situation segregation that yeah. doesn't, oh, yeah. doesn't benefit the, the whole community of the church. And so I think those are some things to keep in mind to, to reach out, to just have someone over to dinner, um, and don't try to just find people in your situation, but find people who are different ages and different stages in life and, um, share life together in that way. But I really think that just eating food together, is just a huge thing. And it's not anything revolutionary, but because, we don't do that very much culturally anymore. It is like a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Camilla Paglia, I think that's how you say her last name. She, Canadian feminist thinker. She talks about how so often the world of women and the world of men were always separate. Like even when you had these families that would, that were raised, you know, everyone lived on the same land, essentially grandparents and kids and uh, you know, aunts, uncles, no woman was ever in in traditional societies was ever alone with the kids for very long like the yeah. domestic atomistic family that we have now mom dad three kids or you know 1.4 kids and you're the nuclear family like like we kind of imagine like luke was watching mad men before this started like he sure that, was but that is constantly elevated as the ideal of the family but it was more akin to you get glimpses of it in like the Godfather or Big Fat Greek Wedding where they dive into these ethnic families where they are, you know, especially first generation, second generation immigrant, where they're surrounded by like your aunts and uncles were just as much as your parents in a lot of ways as your parents. I was mm-hmm. reading a, a study yesterday on Chinese families and they were saying that the typical Chinese family, you are raised by everyone. And this was like this everywhere. It's just that there's a handful of families left that you can actually go and, and see how they're raising their kids. And they were talking about, like, in the modern world, you're an individual raised by your parents until you can be a self-supporting individual and leave. But in these, you are always a part of the family to the point where mom was never burdened with the, you know, quote-unquote drudgery of motherhood. Like, she always had 
grandmother, or, you know, her mother, her mother-in-law, uh, her sisters, her sisters-in-law. They were all together raising their kids together. And yet now I, I, I find this with my own wife. Like if we didn't have such an amazing group of friends, she would be thrown back upon herself. Like she wants to homeschool her kids. She wants to do all this stuff. But she she has the same experience where I come home and I don't want to talk to anyone because I've been talking to people all day. And all she wants to do is talk to me because she's been around kids all day. And she's been doing all this hard work. And so it's like she, unless she's with her friend, she doesn't get that adult thing where it's it's this blended. It never was this so cut and dry fake icon of the family. Yeah, I don't think there was ever in human history a time where a woman would be completely alone with no adult interaction for the entire day taking care of children all by herself. You know, that unless just they didn't... were pioneers, unless it was Little right. House on the Prairie. You didn't. Which, yeah. I don't know, have you read those as an adult? Because I love them. I love them, but we have been rereading them with our kids, and Daniel and I are both like, Pa Ingalls was insane. Like he was actually crazy. My daughter said, my daughter was reading Little House in the Big Woods. And she goes, he thinks it's funny to spank his daughters. And I was like, oh, God, oh, God, I don't know how to have this conversation yet. Oh, God. I was like, sometimes it was funny because when I was a kid, this one creepy guy would spank me. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right. he He was always doing crazy shit. Yeah. Like. Every time his wife, Caroline, gets, like, actual windows put into a house, he's like, well, too many people out in this neck of the woods. We need to head west. And it's just wild. Like, they almost die multiple times because he's taking them away from everyone out into the wilderness. And I think we think of them as as these heroes. But that could be not good. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> well no i i think and here um we can just end on on this point i i think it does like there's probably some type of reason why you know here in america you probably have some type of frontier um you know mentality that we have inherited about like it's yeah. you're fine if you're isolated because it was just how it was here for you know we're we're a very young country still and so and these uh cultural like the things that people did, like there's is some type of corporate internal unknown memory of like this is just how um, things are done, you know. So I don't know. I could be. I am not a sociologist. I have no or an or an or or an anthropologist. I raise money. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I work development, but I'm going to make sweeping statements about the modern American psyche. You see, kids, Pa Ingalls Wilder was a crazy, <laughs> crazy mofo. Crazy Michael Landon. Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, th- I mean, like the Daniel Boone bootstrapping, like pick yourself up by your own bootstraps, shaming people that need help, you know, like go die at the Alamo kind of thing. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I do. I do agree with that. Luke, Luke, you are insightful. Thank you. Thank you. God, that's Thank you. Why, see, that's why we're friends, Luke. Yep. You're insightful. <laughs> yep. All right. So as we wrap up, is there um, where? OK, number one. You are you have a million things happening. Where can people find <laughs> you if they want to get a hold, if they want to get introduced into your world? Sure. So um, you can head to my blog, which is carrotsformichelmas.com. And Michaelmas is spelled like Michael, M-A-S, the Feast of St. Michael, the Archangel. So carrotsformichelmas.com is my blog. The podcast is Fountains of Carrots. And then I'm on Instagram and Twitter as at Haley carrots. Why? Wonderful. Why carrots? 
Um, okay. This is just it's like a long story. I'll try to make it as quick as I can. <laughs> so starting on a blog, didn't know anything about blogs. My husband and I were in the process of converting and started observing the liturgical year. And the first feast we decided to observe in the home was Michaelmas, September 29th, Feast of the Archangels. And we looked up traditional foods to eat. And apparently in parts of the UK, they have carrots for Michaelmas. And so I just called the blog Carrots for Michaelmas because that's what we were going to have for dinner. And then I never changed it because every time I said I would change it, my readers had an uproar. And they said no. And then it started. I'm really into Anna Green Gables. Love Anna Green Gables. And um, that's a carrot connection to she had red hair and got nicknamed Carrots. And she hated that. But anyhow, carrots. There you go. That's there you awesome. Go. There you go. We'll have Very boring all, story. We will have. No, that was riveting. Moved my heart. <laughs> we will have all the links in the show notes, including uh, the book, The Grace of Enough. Um, links to your podcast and your blog, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, I think you might notice a little catching foxes bump, as we call it in the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yes, uh, it's probably not true. I'm sorry, we're horrible. Um, <laughs> thank you. It, um, this has been great. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much. This is really fun. Is there any baby boomers you want to call out and make fun of before we go? Or are you good? I think you're good. I can't think of anyone in particular at the moment. Oh, they I, I got lists. I got lists. A, I read a very fascinating article about how no one can sell their McMansions. And I'm trying not to feel pleasure <laughs> at misfortune <Excellent>. of others. <laughs> no, that's that's why you don't put sunroofs. I'm oh, sorry, sunroofs, sun windows, whatever they're called. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, somebody you, know, you, me, you nailed it. Somebody, somebody <laughs> sent me this funny Tumblr of like m- pictures of McMansions with like little labels about like another gable, why, and like just all these weird. Oh, yeah, that is out, so like, weird. It's so funny, but so horrifying. Like how did how did these things get built? It's just amazing that Here's someone was like, room. "Yes, beautiful, beautiful." <laughs> Here's the room with the Japanese decorations. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it took it. Uh, honestly, I believe it took Arrested Development to point out to us the absurdity of the McMansion developer. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, I can afford three thousand square feet, so why not five thousand? Why not? <laughs> okay, why not? finance one hundred percent of it. Winning. I don't care for Joe. <laughs> my favorite line of that show i don't care for joe <laughs> i think my favorite or the thing that i always want to tweet is i don't understand the question and i won't respond to it <laughs> <laughs> but i love lucille That's she awesome, is my man. favorite oh, wonderful um you how, do we end this? how do we end this? Well, okay. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this up right now. Thank you so much, Haley Seward, for coming on the show. Uh, yeah, I think you're going to you be again. number 200. You you sweated it out because I was so late. You, stayed, you got a full <laughs> hour in. Thank you so much. Appreciate sure. It. And then uh, this is probably going to go live, if I can edit it, by Friday. And it will be episode 200. Woohoo. Well, I'm honored. You, you should be. You won. You won live. You can quit your podcast and stop. Say that now. <laughs> Wait till I tweet God knows what, and then who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. No kidding. And Luke, I have uh, a little update for you, buddy. Hmm. We just hit 10 
new subscribers on Patreon with your little fancy campaign. There we go. And we're done. We All right. Ten people. How be, about that? Luke threw out a campaign where he said, we'll, the next ten people for the month of July, the first ten people for the month of July, we will personally call you on Skype and chit-chat with you. I don't think we specified how long that chit-chat was going to nope. be. <laughs> we totally should have done that. And knowing us and our brand, we're probably not going to do it. But still, the attention yeah. was there. But we got your money, suckers. <laughs> Joke's on you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank uh, you again. Thank you all so much. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Haley. Thanks. This is fun. Take uh, care. Bye. Bye.